Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we are back with a UCLA football team that is now 4-0 and and getting zero respect in the national media. I wonder why. <laughs> well, you know, there's some other teams that are 3-1 and that are ranked or are getting votes. Um, there's obviously a perception around UCLA football right now that it's pretty weak, and and rightfully so. Um, and obviously, we've played a pretty pretty weak schedule, um, and you know we just pretty easily dispatched a a bad, very very bad Colorado team. It did not go the way I predicted. I thought Colorado would actually give us a little bit more of a game, but um, we did what we needed to here, so that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I'll actually go a step uh, behind or further than that. Depends how you want to look at this. Uh, I actually thought Colorado gave us more of a game than I expected. Colorado has been maybe the worst team in FBS this year. Uh, just just if you look at the stats, like advanced stats and things, like they're maybe one of the bottom five in FBS. Uh, and credit UCLA for coming out and beating them like a drum, just like they needed to. Uh, but... I would say a couple things about this game still that, you know, could, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this game because I, I, I thought before the game this would be kind of a mirage and, you know, everything would kind of go a bit more smoothly. I think the good thing from this game was that we didn't have the big mistakes on offense uh, to start the game. I mean, first three drives, we went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So at, And then the fourth drive, we turned it over on downs but still moved the ball all the way down there. So I think that was good. Um Still, the the concern continues to be uh, the defense, and and the reason I say it's a concern is uh, I, I don't think we quite realize how bad Colorado was the last two weeks before this. Let me just ask you uh, and take a wild guess. Do, do you know how many yards Colorado threw for against Minnesota? Um, I don't know the exact number, but it was very very low. It was like. It was ninety, and the starting I was quarterback sub hundred. Yeah, it was, so the starting McCown, who started against us, threw for fifty-two yards, uh, and another quarterback threw for twenty-four, and they had another one that came in and threw for some more. So that was ninety against Air Force. Do you know how many yards Colorado threw for? Under a hundred. Fifty-one yards. So. <laughs> uh, a team that throws for fifty-one yards and ninety-one yards last week. Uh, you know, Owen McCown slung, slung it around a little bit to the tune of 258 yards and a touchdown. So I think just based on what Colorado has been before last week, uh, you do have to just ask a few questions there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's absolutely fair to be asking some questions. I, I do think that uh, you know, having a brand new QB that they've never really seen or have a lot of tape on will also impact that to some degree. So there is that aspect. But no, I, I, I totally agree with you. There is, there is a lot to be concerned about on the defensive side of the ball. And we've been saying that. And that's been the case for a number of years now. So nothing's changed there. Uh, we've been saying it all this year, too. Like, we know the defense is probably bad. And it continues to not uh, show show in the best ways here so it is 
it is what it is. I think I'm pretty confident we know what we've seen with this defense. I know there's still people speculating that, oh, there's going to be some, you know, magic uh, revival or, or, you know, magic uh, opening of the playbook. I don't believe it, personally. I don't see that happening. Yeah, again, it's the same thing we talked about last week, right? Even if there is some magic stuff coming down the road and there's some new schemes and things that we're going to throw in there, what we do execute, we should be able to execute well. Uh, And against a team like Colorado, you should be able to play some pretty base defense and uh, you know not get exposed too much. And again, we don't want to overhype this because to UCLA's credit, they didn't, and they won the game pretty pretty easily. Uh, By the third middle of the third quarter, the game was pretty much done. Uh, I do think one positive takeaway, again, from the offense, I'm going to say it one more time, is we didn't have those mistakes to start. We still had some penalties, eight penalties for 70 yards, but we didn't turn the ball over. Uh, we didn't have those like weird starts to the games where people don't look like they know what they're doing or people are dropping punts and doing weird stuff like that. Right? I mean, we just started the game and put it away pretty quickly. Uh, so I think that's a positive and as we start looking forward to this game, because, again, I'm not sure how much more we can learn about UCLA against Colorado. Uh, we look forward to this game. Uh, we're going to need to do the, that. Before we move on to this upcoming game, the only thing I would say is it was very, very good to see uh, Zach Charbonnet out there looking healthy, looking strong, looking fast. I mean, he, he put on a show, and he had what I think less – than 10 carries. I think he had nine carries the entire game. and he Nine carries for 104 yards. yards. That's right. Um, Three touchdowns. So a third of his carries went for touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet like, looked like he was too good to be on the field against those guys, he, uh, and he, he was. He single-handedly dominated that defense. Not Colorado's a bad defense. We already know that. But still, that kind of domination is rare to see um, in football these days on any level, really. Yeah, and so that was that was good. It was good to see Zach Charbonnet out there. Uh, it was good to see DTR sling it around. Uh, left the game a little bit later, but I mean, pretty much a perfect game. Nineteen of twenty-three, two thirty-four, and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, every time he threw drop back to pass, it was it was it was basically a completion. So that that was good to see. Um, and we're gonna need that this week coming up from both of them. Uh, I think. Nine carries, I'll just start with this. It's not going to be enough this week. Uh, I think this is going to be the kind of game where we're going to need 20, 25 carries from Zach Charbonnet to to keep Washington uh, off the field because the more we can keep our defense off the field in this game, I think, the better. I absolutely agree. Washington has been kind of a surprise. I think that's a game that we had all... Uh, slated as a as a win, and it's looking less likely to me. Um, their QB, Penix. Michael uh, Penix Jr. You know, there's a... I know some folks have been <laughs> mispronouncing his last name a little <laughs> bit, but uh, I won't go there. Um, Penix is, is leading the nation right now in pass yardage and is looking very, very, very dangerous. Which does not bode well for our pass defense. That does not look, it, that looks basically toothless. So we will see how that holds up this game. 
I, I, so I've watched Michael Penix Jr. Uh, for a few years now. Obviously, he's he's come he comes from Indiana uh, to Tom Allen's the head coach of Indiana, and you know Indiana historically in the Big Ten, they're like you know, I don't even know who the equivalent in the Pac-12 would be, but it's the team that's always at the bottom, right? Uh, and around about 2019 is when Michael Penix took over, and then Indiana became respectable. Um, you know they. The the COVID year twenty twenty was their best season. They went six and two when you know the only so many number of games were played. Last season he got hurt, and uh, you know Indiana was already struggling. But that kind of proceeded to be why Indiana was not so good. So, you know he had success in the Big Ten, and his offensive coordinator there uh, happened to be Kellen DeVore, who is now the head coach of Washington. So, he's had success at at a high level. He's continuing that success over here, um, and you know Washington. I think beyond him, uh, offensively, they're 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 very explosive right now. They they lead the nation in passing offense. Uh, they are number five in the nation in total offense. They're going at about five hundred thirty yards a game. So again, I, I I go back to this to to where we where we started. Uh, we're gonna need to run the ball and not make mistakes on offense because. Because if we leave our defense out there enough, uh, I, I I think he's going to cook us up a bit. Yeah, we need to control the uh, time of possession here to keep the ball out of his hands for sure. And I don't know if we'll be able to do that, but, you know, our offense has been very good. So we might be able to successfully kind of run the ball down their throats. We'll see. Um, you know, it is a weird game time. It's that. 7.30 on a Friday, so it's going to be at a pretty dead, probably, Rose Bowl setting. Uh, but Washington has only played at home so far, so, you know, them being on the road for the first time could be a factor here, even if it's not a hostile environment. Just having to travel, I think, you know, has, a, has an impact on, on, uh, on teams, so... We'll see if that becomes a factor at all. But, yeah, I. this is a, a pretty big game for, for UCLA. I think it's kind of a, you know, it's going to be an indicator of the rest of the season. Like, is this team actually going to gain any sort of respect by beating a respectable team, the only respectable team that they're going to play up to this point? Or are they actually as bad as, you know, what the national media sort of has been portraying them as, as by beating up on a weak slate of opponents. And I, I sadly, I, I just think we're going to shit the bed here. <laughs> like I don't yeah, have it, faith in us actually uh, coming up and stepping up to this occasion. It's the proverbial, you know, biggest game of the year, right? It's the proverbial, you know, biggest game of a coach's tenure. And I do think it's that, uh, you know, both from a national level, but as well as, you know, the fan support and all the stuff that's been going around these past few weeks about who's coming to the Rose Bowl. Uh, Chip Kelly, UCLA football, they have their chance. All right. Like these next three weeks, they have the chance. So and, and so people want to know, hey, we're we're four or no. What will it take for fans to get out there? This is what it'll take. Go beat Washington. And then come back and show us it wasn't a fluke and, and win one of those next two games, too, because anyone can beat somebody on one day. Right. Uh, so come back and win another game and show us that you actually have made some progress in year five to where you can actually be competitive in the conference. That would mark progress. And if you do that, you are going to see fans start to come out 
um, as well as you know the schedule will soften up over there. So this is you have your chance, Chip Kelly. You know you have it, have it all right here in front of you. You got to four and zero against Cupcake States. Come out this Friday. You beat Washington. You win one of those next two games, and then you will ha- start to see some support. It's it's all there in front of him. He has every opportunity now. Oh, absolutely! You beat Washington, a ranked opponent. You'll be five and zero with a ranked win. We're likely going to be ranked going into a game against a top fifteen Utah, barring they win this next their next game. So. That's a recipe for getting fans out to the Rose Bowl. I think our alumni, I think our fans will actually show up for that game to some degree. I'm not saying it's going to sell out, but we'll have a crowd for that game. And if we somehow beat Utah, then we're rolling at that point, right? Then we're we're getting a lot more recognition here. You know, UCLA is going to feel like it's kind of creating some some buzz around the the country with that. But this is this is exactly that opportunity you're talking about um and it all starts on friday i think that needs to be the kind of catalyst here to get things going really to get uh not only recognition but to really prove that you know chip kelly as a coach and as a program has turned this around and we'll see i again i don't have hope and and faith that that's actually the case but hey i will happily eat crow if we somehow go on a run here and actually turn things around and that's the thing, right? Like, we will happily do it. I, I don't think either of us are ex- extremely gung-ho on the way things have been and the way things are trending. But again, you have the opportunity here to go ahead and do it. And the other fortunate thing here, if you just look at how conference play has started, it looks like if you can get past these next three games, at like either 2-1, and one, um, hopefully 3-0, and oh, but hope if you can get through a 2-1, and one, uh, UCLA has drawn the short, the, the short end of the stick here when it comes to the conference opponents that that we got uh probably in some order the worst teams in the pac-12 are probably you know colorado's probably the worst but stanford doesn't look very good arizona state doesn't look very good arizona had a good week one but since then hasn't been very good and that's who we're gonna play three games in a row so you know when the season ends there 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 can't be any 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 question about was what was the opportunity there or was was there a chance to get to the level we should be getting to, and again it starts this weekend because if you lose this weekend then what ends up happening is you're probably going to be underdogs uh, and heavy underdogs against Utah against Oregon and against SC, uh, and so that nine and three ten and two expectation level uh, probably looks to pretty much looks dead in the water if you if you lose the game this weekend. I agree, though I, I do think that every team right now in the Pac-12 has some uh, some question marks around whether or not they're as good as we might have thought they were in the first couple of games. Um, you know, example I'm thinking of is, is SC getting completely taken to the watershed for a lot of that um, game against Oregon State. I mean, they, they Oregon State, made uh, Caleb Williams not look like a good QB. He was getting attacked the entire game. Now, he uh, he looked like a human. That, that offense, that alleged mighty, unstoppable offense, looked stoppable. Um, and so, you know, they, they look like they're going to be beatable. I think Utah is the best team in the conference, like on both sides of the ball. 
and I think that's going to be the, the true test if we do somehow beat Washington. If we beat Utah, then that's a big statement, in my opinion. But I, I think there's enough question marks around all the, the Pac-12 teams right now, even the ranked ones, that, you know, you can make an argument for that UCLA could or should beat some of these teams. But what I could see happening is also losing to someone like Arizona State or Stanford yes. or somebody we shouldn't lose to. That would be the real UCLA way to do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so obviously, yes, uh, all these teams do have question marks. You talked a little bit about SC. I think one of the really crazy things about SC in this early part of the season is they're completely living by the turnover. Um, they're getting all sorts of turnovers from their opponents. Oregon State gave them four extra possessions that if they don't get, they're probably not going to win the game. And, you know, obviously – Credit them for coming out to the win, coming out with the win. But that was a, a strange game, and Oregon State's always kind of been that kryptonite for SC, dating back to you know when Pete Carroll was there. I still you still remember the two thousand six Rogers, Jaquiz Rogers, and you remember the two thousand six game when you know yeah. SC was coming off the all the Bush, Liner, Lendell White, all those teams, and it was the first time they lost a regular season game in like three years. And then uh, two thousand eight, Jaquiz Rogers uh, beats number one USC and Mark Sanchez. So it's a weird place for them to go. Even Washington, I would say, you know, they have question marks. And that's why it's like you can't say that they're world world beaters just based on what they've done so far. Michigan State, they've really struggled to get out of the gates here. Uh, And that's Washington's kind of big claim to fame right now. Right. Right. So that's their claim to fame. They, They ranked number 11 when they played them. Um, and, and Washington had a sizable lead. Michigan State kind of came back, but then in the end uh, wasn't able to, to get all the way. And then Michigan State got their doors blown off by Minnesota, uh, losing that one 34-7 this past weekend. And this weekend they go to Maryland, uh, who I think, I mean, Maryland, uh, if I had to guess right now. Week. Yeah, if I had to guess, they'll be favored in that game. So Washington themselves, uh, you know, that's their, their big win. And, and Stanford, you know, they, they beat them. Pretty pretty convincingly. I mean, the the game was pretty Stanford's much over. Stanford's a bad team. But Stanford's bad, right? So you don't know, and that's why this game's kind of put up shut up for both teams here. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think. Yeah, it's the this it's a big game. Friday night, seven thirty at the Rose Bowl. Again, weird timing. So you know that it's a factor. Obviously, both teams playing on a shorter week. Um, why the Pac-12 does this, I don't know. But that is a different conversation for another day. But yeah, I, I think I think this could end up being a kind of a weird, chaotic game also. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, big opportunity. We'll see what happens. So we'll quickly just go back to the game itself. What UCLA needs to do to win. I think we both agree. Zach Charbonnet needs to carry the ball 25 times this game. Um, I think he has to do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, Washington's defense, uh, they are very opportunistic. Uh, they do get pressure on the quarterback. They've gotten 15 sacks through four games, uh, and they pretty much were sitting on Stanford quarterbacks' heads last weekend. Uh, they got eight of them against Stanford. So our offensive line that uh, we, we, we still have questions about them, um, you know, they're going to be tested and, we're going to need to run the ball and get some balance and not just uh, tee off pass rushers on third and eight and third and nine. Uh, we'll definitely need to get some balance there. And then 
we'll need to get acceptable level from from the offensive line when we are in those passing situations and DTR cannot turn the ball over. So that's that's on that side. The other side we we have to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback uh, on on Michael Penix. Uh because we need our second Murphy twins to wake up and Latu to wake up and and really go after Penix. Badly. We badly because I think it's proven now over four games, even if, you know, the the numbers don't bear it out, that our secondary is shaky, right? Uh, if, if Colorado throws all, for all those yards, then, then Washington sure can. So that kind of is what it and is at this point. It's not a lack for personnel. It's the soft coverages. We're willing to give up 10 yards to not get beat up over the top, and it's very frustrating. I'd rather get beat up over the top, at least trying to stop them. Yeah, and again... If we're gonna do that, we'll need to find a way to get pressure on on the quarterback. So the Murphy twins, like you said, uh, you know, gotta step up. And if we Carl do those Jones things, yeah, Carl Jones, somebody needs to do something here. And if we do that, I think, you know, if we can get the running game going and such, and not turn the ball over, we should be able to take the game into the fourth quarter and then see what happens. Uh, and I think that's the goal for this week. Yep, I agree. I agree. It'll be an interesting game. Um, lots going on. I, I do think DTR will have to be smart in this game, not only from a you know turning the ball over perspective, but I think he needs to be able to use his legs here when they pressure him. I think we need to make sure that we design some runs for him, get him out into space a little bit more, and, and hopefully that will... Uh, relieve some of the pressure of our off our O line having to protect him for, you know, deep drops and whatnot. Let's let's kind of move him around and and try to, I would lo- try to you know keep him keep him mobile. I would love to see that, uh, but you know, Chip yeah, Kelly I think thinks in it's going to be on Chip. Ways. Yeah, it's going to be on Chip. Does Chip Kelly realize what he's got on defense and what he has to do in this game? I think that's what it's going to come down to this. You know, how, how are we going to script our first few drives here to try to set the tone uh, and put us in a position to where we're not going to be in obvious passing downs and run those, you know, whether it's RPOs, screen passes, runs, whatever it is to slow down that pass rush and get us in a position late in the game where we can have success. Um it's on Chip Kelly, and again, this is the way he set up his team. It's the way he set up the program to, you know, get players who can execute in pressure situations. Um, it, he again, he has the opportunity. I just keep going back to that. He has the opportunity because, you know, so far at his time at UCLA, you know, just again to go back to why this game is such a big deal. Uh, we are three and nine uh, against ranked opponents uh, at. On Ed Chip Kelly's tenure, and we talked about it last week. Only one of those three teams that we beat actually ended up finishing the season with a winning record, which was Arizona State. Um, so, if we could win this game, it, it it would definitely be the statement win of the Chip Kelly era. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, it's going to be up there at least with guys like, um, you know, or not guys, you know, te- beating teams like LSU who really weren't that great that year, beating SC 2018, 2020, last year, 2021. Like, even those teams weren't great, but those are big wins. 
this is, I think, probably going to be the best team from a neutral perspective, not a rivalry perspective or anything like that, um, or perception perspective that we'll we'll beat if we win. Um, and I think Chip needs that in, in his belt to be able to say, hey, look, I'm actually improving this program. All right, Without let's get a prediction. that, I don't think, yeah. Let's get a prediction. What do you got for this weekend? Uh, I think we lose 35-21, sadly. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, part of me wonders if we're going to end up winning this game and then get planted these next two weeks. Uh, but I, I just, I see no way we slow down uh, Washington. They should be able to score at least 35 if they have enough possessions to do it. Uh, so, so I'm going to say that, yeah, 35-24, and Washington gets a score in the fourth quarter to kind of pull away and make it a two-score two game. Yeah, I, I just think that our defense is going to let us down here. And, and this isn't going to be a lack of offense on our end. I think we're, they're just going to be able to control the, the game. But hopefully we're wrong. We'll see. We would love to be wrong. We really would. <laughs> Always. Um, cool. And other news of going to basketball we have an alleged potential, I don't really know what's going on, but commit from Turkey, another guy from Turkey coming in. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, but his name is Eje, Ege, Ege, I don't know, E-G-E is his first name, uh, Demir. Um, so apologies for not knowing how to pronounce that name. I've been trying to look this up and I don't know how you actually pronounce it, but um, his full name is Ezekiel Itunge David, if that helps. Um, but he is a Nigerian-born player uh, coming through Turkey, um, a big post player looking uh, to add some depth to that position. And I think we have a, have a good, strong prospect here that will able to provide some depth and some um, valuable minutes to that position if he actually is coming. Yeah, let's just we'll take the, the positive route here and, and hope that, that he is coming. Um, yes, UCLA admission still has to go through whatever they do. Ege Demir, or Ege Demir, again, apologies for the pronunciation. Ivo um, Simovic has once again pulled out some magic out of the hat. We've gotten a center from Turkey uh, who is 18 years old, uh, looks to have the measurables of a strong center prospect, and it looks like the reason that we're trying to rush this uh, in for this season is Mac Etienne's probably not going to be ready for the start of the year, or at least the start of camp, of practice. Uh, looks like he hasn't been cleared just yet. And so uh, Ege Demir, he comes in and he'll be able to compete right there for minutes with Ken Nuba to back up a Dembona uh, if he's able to be cleared and join practice and, and all that good stuff. So I think from that standpoint, it's a huge positive if we're able to pull, to pull it off. Uh, the other, again, huge positive is it, it really reduces the pressure to get a center prospect in this upcoming recruiting class as well, because you would ideally then he would have Ege Demir, 
who is coming in right now, you would have Mac Etienne, and that would probably be your center rotation for next season. You got two center solid centers that you could rotate between. Um, so that that would essentially then put us at you know we if we have the two commitments now and this one right here, uh, basically left with about two to three scholarships if we could now close out Andre Storyakovic and all that and, and and all that stuff as well. So if we can do that, uh, I think it's once again great planning by Mick, great find by Coach Simovich, and you know, hopefully it all works out. Hopefully UCL admissions uh, isn't isn't up to some games here. Yeah, and Demir isn't just you know some guy who's gonna pull in you know come in and put in a few minutes here and there. Like from what I've read about him. He's incredibly raw, still pretty young, but has the athleticism and body to be a legitimate NBA prospect down the road. Now that the talent is all there, the you know natural gifts are there, but we'll see if he, he comes to that uh, that level, develops into that type of player. But that's the type of potential player we're talking about here. Um, so that it's obviously very, very exciting to have that kind of guy backing up Bona, backing up Etienne, having him in the rotation. And he's been playing overseas for a while, so it's not like we're getting a, a guy who's new to the sport or a young you know, high school kid. Like He's been playing in Turkey in some of these pro leagues. So uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing him in blue and gold next year because I think he'd be a big... Um, big plus to this rotation. Darren Sabino also is known as a very uh, renowned teacher for big men, a developer of big men. So you get a guy with, with his skills uh, and with Coach Savino in there, uh, you'd think over the next two years you you, you could find a player who could play uh, at the next level just because of his measurables and, and, and what he has. Uh, so that would be extremely exciting. I, I think he, he'd, he'd work great in next year's team um, from the standpoint that, again, I think first, obviously, injuries, if Matt Katien will be there or not. You know, Ken Nwuba reports her that he, he's gotten a lot better, too. But Adem Bona, I think we're all just, we're really waiting and we're all hoping that the reports are true and he's as good as we think he is. But he's going to be a freshman. He's probably going to make mistakes. And there's going to be those games where because he just plays so hard and plays so physical he's that gonna he's going to pick fouls. up fouls, right? He's going to yep. pick up fouls. Uh, and Demir uh, is somebody that can pretty much play the role that we initially thought Aden Bono was going to play, right? I mean, I think initially Aden Bono, when he came in, was brought in to just be that force on defense that we haven't had for a long time. Demir can do that because he's done that uh, overseas against bigger players. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, it's great as well. Yeah, uh, exciting stuff. Really, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, but this international recruiting aspect of basketball is a very, very, very intriguing and exciting development on in Mick Pronin's program. So happy to see this keep bearing some, some fruits here for the team, and hopefully this one um, comes through as well. Uh, again, there's, no, there's nothing... There's no downsides of this here right now. If we can get this kid in, I think it's a win-win situation for everyone, and we would be happy to take him um, and welcome him with open arms to um, Bruin Nation. So, 
yeah, let's let's see what happens, but cautiously optimistic here that he does get admitted. We hope so, and 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 looks like practice is going to start uh, here shortly, and we're we're approaching basketball season as well. Uh, we just got pretty much a little more than a month to go. It's it's pretty exciting. I I can't wait. I can't wait. It's uh can't come soon enough. <laughs> There's hope, but light light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. I think that's everything for today. Any parting words? Anything else? Just you know what, Chip. Uh, I hope you're out here to prove us wrong. Uh, let's go out here. Let's beat Washington and give us something to cheer about for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, what Kevin said, but basically, Chip, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Cool. Um, we will catch you next time, and go Bruins. Go Bruins.